elegant fade outs. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Classy as hell. <clears throat> that we are. Welcome to Vertigo Voices. Celebrating 19 episodes. 18 episodes. Fuck, I can't remember now. <laughs> We're getting close to where we can round up to 20. Celebrating close to 20 episodes. We're almost Woo-hoo. able to legally drink in a couple years. Golly. I was thinking, when was when was our first episode? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> you can fucking look it up. It, it says when they're posted. <laughs> it does. Um, anyway, so today we're um, we're starting a brand new mini series within the series proper called Vertigo Voices: Colon Pilot Season. Good times, good times. We're gonna be going through some Vertigo shows. Vertigo adaptations and watching the the pilot episodes of, of TV shows and seeing how they stack up, starting with Preacher. This should be interesting because uh, this is the only, I think of all the ones that we're going to review with the exception of Lucifer, this is the only pilot episode I've ever seen. Wow. So, and that was like back when it first came out. I was going to say, and is this the only episode of the show you've seen? It is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to sound like one of those people, like, I should say this with my eyes closed, but I don't have a TV. I don't have a TV. Um, so I didn't get to uh, catch up on these, and I'm certainly not like, as well-versed as you. Like Wonder Woman in 1984. <laughs> well, I don't own a TV. Yes, you do! <laughs> you own five of them! <laughs> so, yeah, the pilot episode of Preacher. Man, the fucking production on this show... I mean, this goes back like 20 years. This was in some form of production. But this version of Preacher, obviously the comic was written by Garth Ennis, art by Steve Dillon, covers by Glenn Fabry. It's a goddamn classic. But it was developed for TV by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, which I don't know that I ever would have imagined that they would be working on a Preacher adaptation. Right. But here here we we are. are. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, it worked out well enough for them that it lasted four seasons it didn't get canceled, like it literally concluded. They told the story they wanted to tell. Didn't always hit the comic or really the height of what it could be, but it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. What network was it on? AMC. Okay. And yeah, so we are going to get going with Preacher. Um, got the Blu-ray in. Going to hit the play in just a second, <laughs> fucking the menu on this DVD or on the Blu-ray is annoying. I don't like animated menus when you're just trying to go left and right. So, okay, <laughs> we're on to the episode now. Um, and play. Hitting it now. I went to black for a second. And let's see if the subtitles work. It's just doing nothing. <laughs> of course. Because blue wait, wait, they made a noise. There it goes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it opens in like a 1950s like sci-fi look of outer space, which is fun. <laughs> it's like the show's got like a weird style that it's not consistent with, like this kind of like goofy, like grainy, like oh 1950, like oh, the fucking the dad the style. Uh, but that doesn't doesn't carry over in anything else in the show. Huh. <laughs> I was just going to say, you might have to do most of the talking because I'm, again, I saw this when it first came out and um, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I was just like, oh, well, creatures here. Yeah. 
Um, and I didn't want to get too excited about it because I didn't have the means to keep up with it. But I, war. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> so the opening credits for Star Wars Episode Three. War. <laughs> the first line of the movie or on the, in the, the scroll it doesn't matter um uh i had some serious problems with the first season of the show um because i feel like the creative team was trying too hard to put their own stamp on this world and these characters oh, yeah. and um realized kind of at the end of season one that like fuck, now we don't have enough time to tell the stories that we wanted from the comic, you know? Because yeah. yes. <laughs> this crams in a lot of new shit, and it's all basically, it all basically takes place over the course of, uh, like, the first two pages of the first issue of the comic. Because the, the comic opens with Jesse getting uh, struck by Genesis, getting Genesis's power, and that causes his church to explode. Right. The entire first season of this show is the journey from Gen- Genesis entering his body to his church exploding. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. Yeah, that, right off the bat, that's like, ah, I don't know how well that works. Because that's, the, like you said, the whole impetus in the comics for him going on his journey and, and doing his thing is that he feels... Like shit. That <laughs> oh, this is a this was a nice appreciated part though, where uh, um, the pastor blows yeah. up on his congregation. Holy people exploding! And the yes. idea behind that, um, Seth Rogen said that the idea was that Genesis is going around the planet finding holy people to inhabit, and when it's not compatible, it explodes. And the idea he said behind that is because Genesis, obviously, that we find out later in the show. Um, is the combination of an angel and a demon. And it keeps looking for holy people, and it kills them. When it finds Jesse, he is like a holy man who's also a bad guy. <laughs> and so like it's like the two sides of the angel and demon finding like a cohesion within him. Which I get it. I don't 100% really care. Like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's that interesting. <laughs> it's kind of like... A- the reverse. Yeah, Steve Dillon's art. <laughs> the rat water uh, yes. whiskey. Yes. <laughs> That's Saint of Killers. Oh. That's the silhouette of Saint of Killers in the comics. Nice nod. Hey, Lucy Griffiths. I just noticed that. She um she start she's in the first season of this as a new character for the show. Who's like the organ player at the All Saints congre- congregation. Um Open your ass and holes to Jesus. <laughs> anyway, uh-huh. she's also in uh she's she's going to be a uh, Vertigo Voices uh, pilot season all star. We might see her again. What is she in? I'm not gonna tell you. Oh. <laughs> all right. Then. I'll just wait patiently. Uh, although I have to say, I do think that Dominic Cooper is good casting. Yeah, I think he's fine. I, I like him a lot. I think he does decent enough with the role. Um, I don't really like Jesse in the show, though. No. As the show progresses. He gets to the point where I'm like, I like I don't want to see him win anymore. Oh. <laughs> like I want to fucking see him die. Like oh, he dear. he he basically becomes a villain by the end, and I I'm I don't know. We we may get to that eventually, but I'm I'm not as interested in the character in the show as I am in the comic. But that said, I can't help but look at him and just see a different actor in the role. Like I, I 
to me, in the last five years or so, I keep just picturing uh, Walton Goggins. Oh, damn it, remind me. Walton Goggins, dude! Yes, I know, I know, he, uh, the, the name. is that guy. He's the, the one Southerner in everything. Oh, um, <laughs> god damn it, we were talking about him not He's that long Justified. ago. Wally Goggs. Um, yes, 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 yes. Um, he's in The Hateful Eight. Yes. And many other things. Have you ever seen the show <laughs> Vice Principals? I have not. He has one of my favorite fucking lines I've ever seen in a show in that. <laughs> so it's him and Danny... What the fuck is his name? Not Trejo. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Danny Trejo. Uh, Danny McBride. Tim and Danny McBride <laughs> playing competing Vice Principals. Um, to try to get, like, the principal spot at the school. And after the first episode, it's revealed that the spot is given to a new hire, and they both team up to take her down. Oh. And there's a scene in, like, the third episode where they're standing out front in the morning waiting for her to walk in, and as she's walking up, Walton Goggins goes, goes, uh, oh, God, here she comes. The fucking ground shakes. Boom, boom. How much you want to bet when she gets over here she smells like a fucked butthole? <laughs> and uh, um, Danny McBride goes I believe that's what the children call truffle butter oh, God. and then she walks up and he's like hi how you doing and then she walks away and Walton Goggins looks over at Danny and goes I told you bubbed buttholes <laughs> I've missed out on this alluring piece of yeah, it's a fucking great show. It was on uh, HBO. I think it was two seasons. Like a short, concise comedy series um, created by Jody Hill, who has worked with Danny McBride in numerous things, everything from the movie The Foot Fist Way all the way up to Eastbound and Down. Um, anyway, really good comedic team. I love this guy. Uh, so this dude that's talking right here, the dude with the gray beard, he's one of those comedians that's been in like everything. Just open up your heart. Be honest with her. <laughs> that guy. So he, uh, had, you ever seen the show Bob's Burgers? Yes. He plays regular sized Rudy. <laughs> really? Yeah, he's my favorite <laughs> character on that show. That's awesome. Rudy. Oh, no. Does he stick around for the whole season? You'll see. <laughs> You've seen this episode. You know what happens to regular sized Rudy. <laughs> yeah, but again, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I, I have to admit, like, um, there was part of me that when I heard they were making Preacher into a TV series and I heard that it was on a, a general network, I was like, how are they going to do this? Yeah. I mean, not to be vulgar, but there's a part in the comic where somebody fucks a chicken. Uh, that's, that's the fucking tip of the iceberg. I know, I know. There's a part in the comic where somebody fucks a woman made of meat. <laughs> right, right. So how are you going to put this on AMC? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It's super toned down. Um, but it does retain some of the bite of the comic. Um, I'll, you know, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> True. Okay. I, apparently there was a lot of argument between Dominic Cooper and Seth Rogen and the, the crew about Jesse's hair. Really? Um, Dominic Cooper, I can't remember who, I can't remember who was on what side of the argument, but somebody wanted the hair to be up and like cool looking. And somebody else said like, that's too cool. He shouldn't be cool. <laughs> and they get argued back and forth and eventually like sometimes it sometimes it's higher. <laughs> like it's it's more like roostery than other times. <laughs> I 
Like someone wanted kind of a faux hawk. Huh? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Mr. Big Dick over here. It's, uh, <laughs> cock of the walk. His mystery crest. Mm. <laughs> One thing I always think about watching this is just how fucking hot he must be. Wearing all black, sitting around in the Texas sun. <laughs> and it's a fucking cool look, so I get it. Right? <laughs> but, but it's one of those things that, like, as much as I'd love to mimic his, his look of just, you know, wearing all black and being cool, like, I can't do that. <laughs> well, not under the hot Texas sun. Because <laughs> I'm sure, like, just right off camera, you know, there's, there's a, a catering and a fan. Yeah, exactly. Have you heard anything about the various adaptations of this show throughout the year, or... Back when it was trying to be a movie, and I mean, this is this is, I, I mentioned earlier. This has been in some form of production for like twenty years. I know that there was, uh, yeah, again, long history of uh, trying to bring it to the screen. But I think yeah. I mostly heard that they were going to try to make it into a movie. Yeah, uh, Sam Mendes was on it for a while. Yeah, was talking about a movie. There was a uh, HBO miniseries, tons of back and forth. Um, my favorite take in I think like 2000, 2001 or two it was like seriously moving forward with James Marsden as Jesse oh. and then I've seen concept art of this um, but Sam Jackson as the Saint of Killers oh. and I've seen concept art of this but I just was googling and can't fucking find it now because it was like probably 15 years ago that I saw this and it, it looked cool it was just Sam Jackson in a fucking cowboy hat <laughs> but if anyone could uh, pull that off yeah. pull it off well well my favorite part of that iteration is that a special effects company was actually working on Arseface and you can find pictures of Arseface in uh, what Arseface was going to look like in the movie oh, oh my god yeah. there you go yeah. That looks like an arse face. Yeah, that is like literally, it's like the comic book comes alive. He's even got the shit dripping on his chin and everything. Oh, wow. And it is fucking graphic. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that that looks painful to look at. It does. <clears throat> it does. It looks quite grotesque. Yeah. The arse face in the show is significantly toned down. Hmm. Which I think we're going to see him in a few minutes. But um, anyway, I, I just, I thought that was a really cool look. I remember seeing this in... Oh, geez, like 2002 or three or something, these images. And be like, holy shit, it's like you come to life. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just thought that was so cool. That is some great makeup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't remember him leaving that much of an impression from the show. Yeah, fucking Arseface's story goes in a completely different direction in the show as in the movie, or in the comic, excuse me. And that's his dad. There's Hugo Root, uh, W. Earl Brown, best known from Deadwood, recently in an episode of The Mandalorian. Was he? He basically played his character from Deadwood. <laughs> well, you know, when you're good at Only something. Only under Weequay makeup. <laughs> and that, that was a really, that going into that for a second, so that was the first episode of the second season. He plays a Weequay bartender, and Timothy Oliphant plays a sheriff in the town. That's and uh, it's funny, because my, my friend was like, ah, it's kind of like lazy. I'm like, no, it's not lazy. What's, what, what's amazing about it is that it implies a relationship between these two that you get instantly when you see them on screen together. Right. Like when you see the bartender and the sheriff wearing fucking Mandalorian armor and under, like, brown, wrinkly face makeup, um, you, you immediately get a connection between them because they've been doing this for years. <laughs> they've literally been doing this for years, and you get that feeling of them doing it for years, just the easy way they communicate and the glances that they give each other while taking a shot or whatever. And uh, I, yeah, I thought it was really fucking good. 
Anyway, um, he plays Hugo Root, who's a character that's vastly changed between the show and the comic. He's a lot more sympathetic in the show. He becomes a little bit antagonistic between towards the end of the first season, but also with good reason, because, again, Jesse is kind of a dipshit in the show. <laughs> and, uh, um, anyway, uh, in, the, in the comic, he is just a completely irredeemable evil character whose tagline can't be repeated. <laughs> it involves the N-word. <laughs> it's yeah. funny in the comic and just makes him look like an out-of-touch idiot like so many you know, right-wing pundits on Twitter today. But uh, um, regardless, it's, it's not something that you can repeat. <laughs> no, no. And he has a great end in the comic because he's only in the comic for a couple issues. And um, he... Are you familiar with the character of Sheriff Root in the comic? I think so. I, I, I've seen him. He stops Jesse or whatever. He gets up in his shit and they get in a confrontation. And Jesse uses the word on him. Because that's, you know, like, the power of Genesis um, means that if Jesse tells you to do something, you have to do it. Whatever. It's like the power of God. Mm-hmm. And he looks at him and says, you're going to go fuck yourself. <laughs> and then it cuts to a paramedic talking to Arse face and he's like uh, excuse me could you just look the other way I am having a real or having trouble um, not gagging while I talk to you <laughs> and he's like but anyway we found your father's penis shoved up his uh, rectum and we're trying to uh, <laughs> remove it now <laughs> a fitting end yeah. and then um, Root asks for his gun and kills himself <laughs> Okay, we just uh, I just talked of an introduction of the introduction of Cassidy, um, played by what the fuck is his that name? That guy looks familiar too. Um, he did you ever see the show? I I, fuck, I know his name. Why am I blanking on it? Have you ever seen the show Misfits? Heard of it, haven't seen it. Uh, he plays Rudy on Misfits, um, but his name is Joseph Gilgan. Joseph Gilgan. Okay. Gilgan. Gil oh Gilgan. Excuse me. But yeah, I fucking love him as Cassidy. Um, Cassidy's a pretty different character in this. <laughs> he, he does a lot of good work with his eyebrows. Um, there's a, a scene. So in in the show Misfits, he uh, he can make clones of himself. And there's a scene where he like has sex with his girl, and then he's uh, he's in the bathroom cleaning off, and his duplicate of himself is like judging him. And he's like, I can't believe you just had unprotected sex with that woman. He's like, you probably caught HIV. And he's like, <laughs> he goes, he's like, are you kidding me? Look, look at her. Women like th- women who look like that don't have HIV. <laughs> and then you hear her go, like, are you talking to yourself? He's like, no, I'm just uh just washing your shit off of me, cock. <laughs> and then they both stare at each other. <laughs> it sounds like a show I should be more familiar with. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly why they cast him as Cassidy. He, just, he basically plays Cassidy in that show, except there's two of him. <laughs> he does have a great, just fantastic expression. He's a shit faced Irishman, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Am I not just that? Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> there, there's a weird, like, vampire hunter subplot that's brought up here that doesn't really come up again. Yeah, I. I love that the sounds he makes when he fights, too. You can't hear it. Like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> he gets into it. <laughs> he enjoys what he does. Yeah. I love the way the fight ends right here with the uh, like whiskey bottle. 
<laughs> it's a wine bottle or something. Wait just a minute. I mean, fucking. I love the fact yeah. that they have all these sharp implements and <laughs> on this plane. That's good. That's a good piece cans. of fight choreography over yeah. there. <laughs> right here, and the pilot comes out and. <laughs> nice. And then he. This movement he does right here with his eye when he gets up close to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How'd you wankers find me then? <laughs> and pours holy. Can't <laughs> <laughs> just learn, eh? Nice. I did like him in this pilot quite yeah. a bit, I remember. I'm glad they didn't give him the pointy teeth, because Kathleen never had those in the comic. But that's, I mean, that's an obvious trope of the right. pointy tooth vampire. But, um, I mean, right here, I just, I love, uh, he's like, a, you know, like he's fucked, he doesn't know what he's going to do. So he's like, well, I better just, uh, just load up here. <laughs> <laughs> that's very creative. <laughs> that's good. Grabs the sunglasses. <laughs> And then uh, he just takes his exit. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> sun coming up. I love how inconsistent the show is with the sun. Yeah. That like, like sometimes, like if he's directly in it, he's burning. Sometimes he can kind of survive. Sometimes it's like, like if he's near a window, he burns. Or if he's, uh, like you know. Just standing, like literally in the sun, but in an umbrella, he's okay. Like, it's, <laughs> but it's almost played for laughs at some point. There's regular size Rudy again. Be honest with him, Ted. Open your heart. Feel everything you're telling me. The second time he's told him to open his heart. Lots of heart opening. Yeah, just, and... that might be important. <laughs> Apparently so. What the fuck is he drinking? A Bloody Mary? <laughs> I just noticed the, the the drink he's drinking is like chunky and red. It's got ice in it, so it's not like a milkshake. Well, there's nothing like a good breakfast Bloody Mary. That is Lucy Griffiths, by the way. The oh. Actress that you may see again later. Um, <laughs> you tease. <laughs> uh, she is a new character of the show I mentioned. Um, and just, I don't know. Like, I don't like the inclusion. I don't like any of the new characters that they brought in this show, <laughs> to be honest. See, look, what are they fucking drinking? That is a Bloody Mary. <laughs> <coughs> I hope it is. Same with the mayor here. Like, there's just the weird, weird new characters. This book is jam-packed with weird, interesting personalities. Right. And I don't think there's any need to make new characters, especially people that are this bland. The only reason she's in here is to be like, there's good people in this town. And then she has a heel turn halfway through, so then you feel okay when the congregation all gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's the problem of the pilot, too. Like, you have this kind of, you know, we've been there, done that small-town Americana, him trying to navigate his way, um, you know... Back in of, Africa. Back in Africa. Of being a spiritual leader um, to these people, which, you know, isn't bad, but it's not necessarily compelling. And then you have that fantabulous introduction for Cassidy yeah. and you're just like eh, but you know uh, De Blanc and Fior who aren't that important in the comic <laughs> no. they're only in a couple panels over the entire series but they're like they're like the 
mysterious searchers of Genesis in this. And uh, that's one of the things I don't like about this show, especially the first season, is it, it tries to pack in a bunch of mystery. Mm. I'm like, well, because like so far, you don't even know what Genesis is. You don't know who these guys are. You don't know anything about heaven and hell. It's just this asteroid made a dude explode, and these two guys are looking into it. And in the comic... Well, so, okay, let me back up. Since this is based on a comic, you know where all this is going to go. Right. <clears throat> you know it's going to be about, um, you know, Genesis, heaven and hell, angels, demons, saint of killers, all that. And then the way the saint of killers uh, origin is put in really pisses me off, too. Because his origin is spread out over, like, eight episodes in the first season. And you get little chunks of it here and there. And then the last episode, you see the entire origin like three times in a row. <laughs> and there's a narrative reason for that, but it's really fucking annoying because it's like, I've already seen this. I know who this is. Stop doing it. Just tell the goddamn story. <laughs> I, well, that's the question. What, what is the narrative reason for showing that again and again? You'll have to see it. It makes sense. <laughs> it's like, it makes sense in the story. Um, there is a reason for it and I get it. It's just uh, the way it's done. It just feels like we're wasting time. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Tulip's grandfather, I think. Oh, yes. Speaking of, there is. There's Tulip's butt. Hi, Tulip's butt. I have a big girl crush on Ruth Nega. Yeah. She and Dominic Cooper are a couple in real life. Um, have been for years. And so, like, they have kind of a, an easy chemistry together in this. That is cool. I mean, I'm usually not that long ago. Oh, anyway, sorry, folks. Um... I don't like the way this is done either. Um, this is supposed to be like, you know, her hit or whatever. It goes wrong. It's like, there's a dude behind her. Why would you shoot that guy when there's a guy that's just ready to kill you sitting back there? It's, right. not, it's not choreographed very well. <clears throat> and it's um, clearly just like, supposed to be the shock of the bullet is the only thing that you're caring about. So you don't think about the staging of it. <laughs> it's somebody like me that never stops fucking thinking. <laughs> and the way the way her... Initial hit happens in the comic is way different, too, because she's not a particularly good hitman, and uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of played for laughs. She's good at shooting but she's, or, and killing people, but she's not really good as a hitman. I think there's, there's like, a comedy about that that's lost in the show. <laughs> hey, that's, uh, that's the guy that killed Uncle Ben. Is it? Yeah, in the first Spider-Man movie. God, you do have a good memory. His name's, that seems like Papa John, something like that. Um... Anyway, he, uh, but then he didn't kill Uncle Ben because the guy from Sideways did, remember? Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Fucking hate Spider-Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> In the sailor shirt, that's right. Yeah. Mm. Um, the guy from Wings. Fucking <laughs> 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 that dates me. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Uncle Ben. <laughs> God, what the hell is his name? He's also Megan Fox's dad in the Transformers movies. This guy? Yes. No, Ruth Nega. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the dude from oh, the Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> dude from Sideways. Hey, Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, That's a, right. It's a very, like a very long career. He does. He deserves our respect. He's not just, he's not just Lowell. Lowell, is that his name? <laughs> from, from Wings. <laughs> the, the dude from Sideways. <laughs> Sandman. <laughs> Was Steven Weber in that too? Wings? Yes. Yeah, okay. All right. Tim Daly. 
<laughs> um, Monk? What's Monk's name? Oh, Tony. Tony Shalou. Yes. Um, other people. Other people? <laughs> it was a funny show. I remember it being a funny show. I remember loving it as a kid. I'm sure it's the comedy's aged terribly. <laughs> like all sitcoms in the 90s, except for Seinfeld. <laughs> I fucking, I just, I hate sitcoms overall. But Seinfeld is, I've watched that. I, I rewatched almost the whole series like three years ago with um, a girlfriend at the time who had never seen it in her life. And there were times we'd have to pause it because she was laughing so hard. <laughs> like that show has aged so perfectly that somebody like now with modern sensibilities can watch it and still find it fucking hilarious. Well, I have to confess, I've never seen Seinfeld either. I mean, I know what it is, of course, of course, but I've never watched an episode. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like I'm missing out. Yeah. I don't even know how to wrap my head around that. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to talk to you now. Mm. <laughs> oh, Ruth. And I don't, like, why she's hanging out with these kids, making a bazooka. I don't, I don't get this. I don't... I feel, I feel, I? There's a lot of these, like, plot diversions <clears throat> in this first season where it's, like, look at how quirky this world is. And here's these characters that we're going to talk to for half an hour that you're never going to see again. doesn't matter. Like, just get on with it. <laughs> that is, yeah. That it's, it's, what's the word when, uh, not conducive, but anyway, yeah, when um, the tone doesn't line up with the intent. Because, yeah, obviously she's a fucking horrible hitman. You don't, you know, go through that and then like, hey, I'm going to sit down with the kids and have a good time. Well, it's not even that. It's just supposed to be that she's got a wacky personality and she's good at making things. I get that. I just don't care. Like, I know that we're not going to see these characters or this location again. Right. So why are we spending so much time with them? Just fucking get going. There's a lot of story to tell. <laughs> yeah. And there's better, more um, even ways you could express that quirkiness and that weirdness yeah, exactly. that Tulip has. It was like, especially in the pilot, I'm just waiting for the characters to come together. So cut to the chase, get the characters together, and let the story then progress. Which, again, just because I mean, he's a great character in the comics and he's actually a fun character here, it it doesn't bode well when the most interesting, exciting thing we've seen so far is a side character. Cassidy? Yeah. He's not a side character. He's one of the three mains. Well, I know, but still, like, the main character should be, just, is obviously Jesse. Yeah. And whenever, at least with the pilot, whenever we go back to him, I, I can't say I was bored, but I definitely never got the excitement that I got from seeing Cassidy. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think that's also, I think that's by design in that regard. Because Jesse's supposed to be the one that's burned out, hating his life. And uh, waiting for something big to happen. Whereas Cassidy is constantly leaving uh, like a swath of destruction behind him. That is true. And I, they're just, they're different characters. And I, I don't mind either of their introductions. I just feel like something about hers, because we already see that she is in Anvil. And then have a flashback of her hanging out with some kids. It just feels weird and doesn't, doesn't tonally connect with what else is going on? Everyone else is moving forward, so to have hers stop and go backwards feels weird. Yeah, to take that diversion. Yeah. Um, also, they keep showing the flashbacks about Jesse's dad when he dies, um, which is kind of from the comics, but his dad is a preacher in this, which is like how he inherits the church, which I don't like, because in the comics, his dad is built up to almost like mythical proportions of just this war hero, 
this person that you look up to um, does no wrong. And that, that informs Jesse's life for good or bad um, to the point where uh, – she's like right here. He's, he's laying in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, so and to have him just be like this preacher dude, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't, doesn't have the, the same legacy uh, that he did in the comics. And I feel like the only way that they did that was because Seth Rogen originally said that the theme song for the show was going to be Son of a Preacher Man. So if Jesse is the son of a preacher man, then they can use that song and make it make sense. But they didn't even end up using it. So I love this. Coaxing the cow over to regenerate. I think this is a new character as well. This, this weird subplot in the first season about this woman who... Um, so that kid that was talking to Jesse earlier, yeah. this is his mom. That's right. He wants to pay Jesse to beat up his dad because his dad hits his mom. That's right. And so Jesse comes to talk to her and she's like, oh no, it's no big deal. My son just doesn't understand like sadomasochism. And he's like, what? She's like, yeah, we're just really into S&M and like, he likes to spank me and I like it and it's no big deal. And like, <laughs> okay, so then that guy's like a good guy. Like he's, he's fine or whatever. But then he ends up being a, an asshole anyway. And See, right, right here, she's talking about it. Like, hurts me all the time. <laughs> um, and, but then later, like, Jesse gets in a fight with a guy and breaks his arm anyway because he's like, you talked to my wife, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, so, like, it's so confused. Like, who am I supposed to be for here? Well, <laughs> and again, it's, it's to go back to in regards to how you show him being burned out and trying to help his congregation um, and people not wanting that help, you know, just the, just the confusion and the hardships of being a spiritual leader of a town, right? Yeah. And obviously he's not necessarily up to it. And so we get this kind of meandering path there. And I get that. I'm fine with that. My point is that this guy who then you've, you let off the hook because he's not actually beating his wife. They're, they're just having a, a, a sadomasochistic relationship yeah. that they both agree to. So it's fine. But then that guy's still a villain. Like, he literally comes back later as a villain, and he and Jesse have a contentious relationship for a while, and he tries, he figures out the power later on and figures out how to get around it by deafening himself. Well, and, I, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. It's like, what, do, what does this add to his spiritual journey? I, I just feel like there's more direct ways they could get there. Yeah. And I, I, like, in the comic, it starts with him as a burnt out alcoholic. Right. <laughs> and that's like all you need to know. <laughs> right. They go into his backstory later about him being forced into this position by his grandmother. And eventually they bring up the grandmother stuff too. But I feel like for the first season that was an afterthought because again, they had this idea of just cramming all of this story into those couple panels in the comic. And I think it all came down to budget. Oh. I think it's because... So much of Preacher is a journey. Mm -hmm. They're always on the road going from one place to the next. <clears throat> but in this, they need sets to build. They need uh, uh, consistency there. You know, like they need a, a set that we can go to every week. So the church. So if we're going to build a church, we have to stay at the church for a whole season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Later seasons get more into the traveling, but it's like, like, we'll travel for an episode and then get to New Orleans and spend half the season in New Orleans. And then move on to the next play, you know, like, 
it makes a little more sense later on, but it's still, it feels very episodic TV. Like, well, we got to stick around here because I think God's here. Let's go look around fucking jazz clubs in New Orleans for eight episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Have some beignets. Really take in the atmosphere. Um, okay, remind me what this is. It's just another tent, like it's a satanic temple. There, another holy man exploded. Oh, like okay. A satanic priest. Because they, they talk about how, like, re- religious leaders of all religions are exploding. Um, there's a scene on the news, I think it already happened, where they talked about how uh, Tom Cruise exploded while giving a speech at a Scientology convention. Ah! <clears throat> okay, that's kind of funny. So it's, yeah, the idea is that it's just going to random holy people trying to, trying to fit in, and it doesn't. That's another thing. Like, when DeBlanc and Fiora eventually find Genesis, the way they try to coax it out is, like, so boring and long. And it's one of those where they don't explain what's happening until after the fact. Mm-hmm. And this is like, they, like, put a can on his chest and then sing a lullaby and then wait, and then nothing happens, so they do it again. And then like, oh, that's its favorite lullaby. I'm like, just fucking stop! Like, just do something interesting. (laughs) We're singing lullabies through cans. That's not a good sign. But there are some really good points in the season. Um, There's, you know, like we just saw the Cassidy fight. There's a there's a chainsaw fight in a a hotel room that's really well shot and executed. Um, There's some really good back and forth between the three leads once they all finally connect. Um, I, I can't stress enough how, how good Cassidy is in this show. I should watch the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, I just, I should, I should familiarize myself with the whole thing, um, before I dismiss it. Well, it's no Lucifer. <laughs> oh, you had to do that, didn't you? Just pour some A1 on that wound. A1? That's a weird place to take that. <laughs> well, you know, sodium, meat, I don't know. <laughs> but no, these two do have good chemistry together. And I actually think that's interesting because um, usually when a couple is dating in real life, for whatever reason, that chemistry doesn't translate well to the screen all the time. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's one of the, like, it's a difficult balance to strike. <clears throat> and I think it, it has to do with actors not wanting like reality, like their own reality, to encroach on the character that they're creating or whatever. But I don't know, whatever. Just fucking go with it, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, like they they are overthinking it, perhaps. I think they do a pretty good job with it. Although, again, the characters are pretty different in the show. There's a, there's a thing that that happens midway through the season that I didn't like. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much I want to go into it. But uh, <laughs> later in the season, there's a there's a there's a event that takes place that happens in the comic, but a lot later. And it happens in the show in the first season, and then it just kind of glossed over until like the end. <laughs> and it's just a weird. It's a weird way to do it, and it changes the balance of all the characters. And I don't know. It's just a, a way that the way that it's done. I I felt like it should have should have been more like the comic. Like so many decisions in this show, yeah. like it should have been more like the comic. <laughs> well, I think sometimes, um, like we were discussing earlier, with adaptation, right? Yeah. So, of course, the filmmakers, show creators, whatever, are going to want to put their own spin on it so they're not taking, you know, panel by panel, line by line from yeah. the source. But yet, at the same time, I think 
sometimes, again, they overthink it. And they're like, well, we want this to be different. And I was like, well, no, there's narrative beats in this comic series that work really fucking well. And if you just keep those beats, you can change whatever you need to or have to around it. Um, Because, again, it would have been so much cooler and more interesting if we had a pilot episode where that was him blowing up and killing everybody in his church. I can't remember if they give Arseface a name in the comic or not. So in this, it's Eugene Root. I can't, I just can't remember that for some reason. Of his little fucking meal that he's making him. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna look that up right now because I've always just known him as Arseface, so yeah. I don't know. Okay. <clears throat> well, it doesn't look half bad if it wasn't blended. <laughs> it's like meat and what else? Um, there's some veggies. There's some. Hot sauce. <laughs> All right, then. Hey, yay, yay. And the funny thing is, I think they have to subtitle Arse Face anyway. <laughs> Do they? He's like, hey, preacher. <laughs> well, you know, the poor <coughs> guy. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Okay, all I'm finding so far is, like, yeah. stuff from the show. When obviously he's Sheriff Root's son, but uh, I just, I, I don't know. It's been too long since I've read the comic. I can't remember. Preacher, what's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Yeah, that's... <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. Um, I don't know. He just looks... I mean, obviously because of his name, but yeah, he just looks so much more like a butthole here. Um, his whole backstory about how why he shot himself and all that is way different in the show too because in the comic it's all tied around Kurt Cobain's suicide and obviously that would have mean you know he was like a high schooler in the early 90s and can't do that now because it's you know this came out in 2016 <clears throat> yeah that like this just looks too clean it does it, it looks way too much like a sphincter but I mean, his name's Arseface, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's probably because it's an easier prosthetic to apply. Probably. Just that, a little bit of makeup, and you're good. <laughs> like, the version that, that we looked at a minute ago is way more detailed, and if this was a movie, they probably would have gone more all out with it. But since it's a show that lasted for four years, <laughs> you have to, have to streamline the process. That would be a long time in the makeup chair for that but at the same time, it's not like they really do anything with Ars face. It, like, it just bummed me out that he went on such a different journey in the show than he did in the comic. Mm-hmm. Well, what? Well, you're not going to tell me what journey he goes no, on. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. Not going <laughs> to. Damn it. <laughs> okay. But it's, it involves uh, Saint of Killers and Hitler. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Okay, then. <laughs> Uh, I'm still like trying to find that because now I'm a little bit. Uh... Dude, I'm already way past that. I already I already read what I needed on Wikipedia, otherwise known as Connor Byrne, <laughs> but that's not his real name. They 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 never said what his real name was, other than he he is the son of Sheriff Root. Well, there you go. The AMC Preacher television series Our Space is portrayed by Ian Coletti, and the show his full name is revealed as Eugene Root. And that's what we know. Now you know, folks. Which, again, that's where I was at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Hats off to you. 
Hmm. <sighs> and then, like, the way he starts, like, Eugene is just this eternal optimist. Kind of how he is in the comic. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, yeah, I'm gonna go to church. I wanna go to heaven. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I just, I don't know. I feel like in the, in the comic... The joke is always on him. Oh, there we go. Tom Cruise. Uh, oh, there he is. The joke is always on him, but it's never that cruel, you know? Like, like the joke's always that he's this ugly-looking weird dude. Mm-hmm. But all the main characters kind of are chummy with him. And in the end, he has, like, a nice, happy ending. And in the show, like, it's just, I don't know. He Most of his narrative is completely separated from the main story. Well. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. I love this. So this right here, the... Ah, show it. The shot of him taking a swig. Right there. <laughs> I've used that gif many times <laughs> to describe my, like, weekend activities. <laughs> it's a good one. Evening, Padre. <laughs> oh, he does just have such a fantastic face. There's a line he has after the bar fight that's probably my favorite of the whole series. They're sitting in prison together. <laughs> where am I today? Where am I today? I said, where am I? Where am I? <laughs> I said, where am I today? <laughs> State, country, town or something? <laughs> Maybe there's a phone box handy down the loo, perhaps. There's <laughs> 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 my Padre as you wear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I heaved a big sigh earlier just because... Um, <laughs> Lieutenant! <laughs> <laughs> How'd it go? We win this time? Nice try. <laughs> Who's that actor? Uh, I can't remember his name. He's a future man. He does look familiar. Yeah, show future man. Well, <laughs> That's the only other thing I know him from. <laughs> but uh, um, this is like the husband, you know, now he's all pissy. He goes, I told my wife I'm slapping her pants. Now I'm going to beat you up. Like, oh. like <laughs> You thought I was beating someone up. Now I'm going to beat someone up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I guess that was my heavy sigh earlier because I knew we were coming up to this part where it just seemed to me like, okay, we have to have a scene with a bully. Who's he talking to? That never comes back. He's talking to somebody like telling him to lay low and get rid of his credit cards and all that. (laughs) I don't know. The moral of the story is don't believe what you hear. Except do because he's beating up the preacher in the bar. Just a weird, confused (laughs) thing. Uh And then he threatens to beat up his son right here. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it's 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 a very... Um... <laughs> and then that never comes back either. No, it doesn't. Because then later, so then, <laughs> then he becomes a villain in the season, and then he becomes like a sympathetic, like, co... I don't know, like a friend to Jesse after that. And it's just a... Uh, I don't like it. <laughs> this is one of those scenes that's added into shows to let you know how tough the main character is. Yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. Fucking Jesse Custer should be involved in a bar fight. It's just the weird uh, meandering way we got here. Like, who the hell cares? Just have him get drunk and mouth off at someone and then have to take on a bunch of Civil War reenactors. Hey, that guy on the left was in uh, The Mandalorian, the first episode. (laughs) Was he? Yeah, I think he has like the first line in the series. (laughs) He's like, it's you, Demando. (laughs) And here he is again. I would say he's made his way up. He's he's uh, been a lot. He's in John Wick. Was uh, was he the the big no. big? <laughs> he's just a guy that gets killed in one scene. <laughs> I was gonna say, is he the big big bodyguard that he comes out of the pool and he steps on his foot and then shoots him in the head? 
He looks exactly like him. He grabs his beard, like pins him down against the table and shoots him. Oh, fun. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And no, I mean, there's nothing wrong. Again, I'm, I totally agree with you. There's nothing wrong with having a scene where we find out that, you know, Jesse is rough and tumble. He's a bit of a badass. He's not all, you know, uh, clean and wholesome. But like you said, it's just like, it just feels so like, okay, now we have to have the bully come in and he has to show that he's an obvious bully. Yeah. And uh, just so the good Or guy is he? Because his wife... Yeah, or is he? It's, just like, it's a confused, meandering way to get there, which is the very definition of the first season and the show as a whole. But the first season, worst of all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to think what else... Like, <laughs> there's the got you back, Padre. <laughs> uh, Open your heart. <laughs> Did they film this on location in Texas? I have no idea. Well, if they wherever they found your little weird friend too. What did I do? <laughs> Ow! Didn't look like he actually broke it. No, it did. He's like, eh. <laughs> you should have like jammed on his arm. It was just a fucking kick or something. Right here. This is the line I like. What kind of a preacher are you? <laughs> oh, is he? Um, what was that sci-fi movie? Lockout. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's in lockout. There he is. I was like, God, where have I seen your face before? Name air conditioning. Alas, alack. Better wear all black all the time then. <laughs> in the Texas heat. Right. Tight black Wranglers. <laughs> really allow things to breathe. In the comic, he always wore white jeans. Not always, but he either wore white or blue jeans with his like black top. Yeah, there you go. Seems much more practical, sensible. So now, how many? There's sixty books, sixty six books in the original. Oh, issues, book? yeah. yeah. They're talking about graphic novels. Like, fuck no, there's like ten. <laughs> <laughs> and was it one miniseries, Shudo? There was a miniseries called um, da, 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 something. I don't know. Sainted Killers is backstory. Then there was like a single issue called The Story of You Know Who. Which was Arseface's origin. And then there's a single backstory about Cassidy. Um, but all of that is collected in the entire like 10, 10 volume graphic novel series. Um, there's a volume called Ancient History that's mostly flashbacks. Oh, there's also a, a mini, like a two issue story about Jody and TC, the, the dudes that, that killed his dad. <clears throat> I haven't read that. Was it good? Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's in there with the whole series. If you've read the graphic novels and you've read it. I haven't read all of them. Honestly. Oh, really? I've been like one through 50, I think. I think. Of the issues? Yeah. Oh. Read the graphic novels. It's way easier to keep track if you read the graphic novels instead of the single issues. A, because a lot of the single issues are fucking hard to track down now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But the graphic novels, they put it in, the, in a chronology that makes sense. Like with the flashbacks and all that. You know these spare curtains lying around? 
<clears throat> also, Cassidy's really inconsistent about his glasses in this, too. Oh, no. I mean, it's not inconsistent. It's just that he doesn't need them. <laughs> he <laughs> just wears sunglasses because they look cool. In the comics, he's always wearing them until the very end when he reveals his eyes. And it's because his eyes are just bloodshot and disgusting looking because <laughs> of hundreds or, well, I don't know, a hundred years or whatever of... of uh, um, Substance abuse. (laughs) (laughs) Hard partying. She does look familiar. Crap. She's not in the boys, is she? No, she's not in the boys. You think she looks like the, like Starlight chick in the boys, don't you? Kind of, sort of, (laughs) no. That shot right there, she had a very similar, like, smirk on her face as that actress. Whose name I don't remember. I don't remember the character's name, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Starlight chick, whatever. <laughs> I won't judge you. I really like the boys, too, so. Um, is she in Doom Patrol? No, stop. That is not me. Oh, that damn is it. You. That it's is not, you. It's not. It's my work phone. It's a fucking Saturday. Nobody should be calling me <laughs> on my work phone. <laughs> That'll be $5, no. <laughs> Is she in Constantine? Not telling you what she's in. <laughs> oh, fine. <clears throat> God, it's really fucking annoying, though, that somebody called my work phone. <laughs> it's a Saturday. I don't work on Saturdays. How dare they? Stupid clients. <laughs> they should owe you money <clears throat> now. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's all good. Uh, well, now that we're watching this, though, I'm like, man, I really want to go back and read Preacher. Yeah. If anything, this is inspiring me to read it. It's a good book. Again, I mean, it's it's a great like a like start with volume one and end at volume ten. You, you know, you just plow through the whole series, and that's all you need. There's no uh, no needless uh, spinoffs or um, appendices or anything like that. It's just a clear, concise story full of weird and grotesque characters. Nice. One of the things that, that bummed me out about the show, when they introduced her star, there's these two characters that show up in the comics, uh, the, the sexual investigators. <laughs> and the scene that introduces them is in the show, but they are not. And it bugged me, because uh, <laughs> there's some, some great, weird, grotesque characters. The tagline, it's buggerin' time. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good tagline. Yeah, and I, I just felt like maybe because, like, this would have been, we've talked about this with so many other comic book adaptations, but it holds true. Like, this might have been more compelling if they had been able to show it on something like HBO, where you can, there's more room for that kind of quirk and those eccentric characters. Because I just felt, when I, I heard it was um, going to be on AMC, I was like, oh, well, like we were talking about, they're going to have to water so much stuff down. Which is not necessarily bad, but... Um, it's less water than you'd think once you go through the series. There's quite a bit that they put in here that I was surprised that they were able to. That said, it's still not as extreme as the comic. But really, I don't know. I don't know if I'd really want it to be the same as the comic. No, no. I understand changes need to be made, and I totally get that. My issue isn't necessarily that changes were made. It's just that there's a lot of just drawn-out shit, and I don't like that. There's, there's, not, there's a lack of economy of storytelling. That is a good phrase. And yes. it doesn't it doesn't matter if things are different or the same. If the story flows well, 
that's all that really matters. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. But when it doesn't, those flaws become more obvious yeah. and apparent. Exactly. And there's a lot of times where in my mind I'm thinking, why didn't they just do it like the comic? And what I should be thinking is, why didn't they just adapt it better? There you go. <laughs> you know, like, why, why do we need these like needless uh, dead end story points or, again, telling the Saint of Killer story over and over and over just to force in mystery to a story that doesn't have any mystery. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, because, and again, I feel like that's something that, um, you know, of course, if you're a fan, then you know what happens. Yeah. Um, but you really don't, if you're going to adapt it for a major network, you don't need to change it that much because obviously someone, you know, you watch the trailer and you're like, oh, I'm a huge Dominic Cooper fan. I want to see what goes on. Um, there's plenty there in the comic books that will surprise people. Yeah. I actually, when the, hey, he said, fuck you. I don't remember him saying oh. that. Oh, huh. all right. Um, I remember uh, in when, um, I think about the third episode aired, I went to social media and asked my friends, like, hey, People who watch Preacher but haven't read the comics, what's the deal with the cowboy? Because, like, that's when they introduce Saint of Killers, it's just as this cowboy flashback. I'm like, I want to know what you think. What is the deal with the cowboy? Because <laughs> it just will show flashbacks to the Old West of the Saint of Killers' origins without any context. Mm. I'm like, is this interesting to you? Is it interesting to you to see this story that has no bearing on the, the main plot slowly unfold? knowing that somehow there's going to be a reveal. Like, one of my friends was like, oh, it's kind of interesting. And someone else was like, yeah, I don't know. I, I <laughs> zoned out or whatever. But it's, to me, it was a really weird stylistic choice because for people like me who've read the comics, you're just like, get to the point. <laughs> and then people who haven't, I feel like you're just going to be confused and isolated. Yeah, that's a good point. Exactly. It doesn't... Sometimes the things the things you think add mystery. It's just a very long roundabout way to get to yeah. somewhere. I promise, Daddy. Country, don't cry. Hey, they just flashed Jody's tattoo on his wrist for a second. Jesse has the same tattoo on his back. Oh, I missed that. You saw you saw him when he wakes up. Yeah. In the, morning. the only reason I recognize that is because it's prominently featured on one of the graphic novel covers. Also, I, should, I shouldn't say that there are no other volumes, because there's technically an 11th volume of Preacher called uh, Wanted Dead or Alive, the complete dust covers. Ah. And it's just it's a great gallery book of just all of Glenn Fabry's uh, covers. And it's like literally like page after page, uh, the original sketch, the finished cover. Original sketch, finished cover, just 66 times or whatever. Oh, neat. And... Each of those has commentary by Fabry at the bottom. And it's like stuff like just like like tiny things like I didn't like the way she bit her lip in the original. Or like <laughs> digging into like, you know, this had to be completely changed because of this and that, blah, blah, blah. It's a really, really cool, uh, like fun look into the, the artistry on display in this series. Yeah, Preacher has some fantastic covers. Yeah. So I mentioned, you know, just the grotesqueness of these characters a little bit ago. And, like, that's never more noticeable than the covers. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Glenn Fabry, like, just finds immense uh, beauty in things that are difficult to look at. <laughs> <laughs> he does. That he does. I remember this one cover of Odin Quincannon, who I thought was introduced in this episode, but maybe not. 
Um, in the show, he's played by Jackie Earl Haley. But uh, one of the covers of him, like, all boiled and burned and pockmarked, holding a sausage, like, pointing it at the, the reader. <laughs> I remember seeing that that uh, cover in, like, middle school and being like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, what kind of a sick fuck would read this? Wait, here we go. Ready? Hello, the truth. Open your heart. He just used the word right there. The fact that they don't have the red eyes bugs me, though. When he uses the word, it just like like his like voice shudders when he uses it in the show, and in the comic, his eyes glow red. Which is, I mean, whatever. Maybe it would look cheesy and dumb if he did that in the show, but uh, it just I always liked that signifier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, a good visual, good visual point. Uh-huh. There he goes. Stuff to open his heart. <laughs> Take that stuff early. <laughs> I fucking love this fuck. <laughs> like the the cool uh, uh, youth pastor or whatever <laughs> doing the religious music for the kids. Amazing Grace Brown. on guitar, electric guitar. <laughs> oh god, I'm glad I don't go to church. I <laughs> <laughs> he just sits up in the back. Like, what the hell is happening here? Oh. And now we're probably coming to the, you know, the, the most exciting part of the show. Nope. You got like uh, seven more episodes, eight more episodes before that. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> I right. told you, you it's did. not the first season. Or it's not the first episode, it's the first season. Oh, the entire season. Now I'm thinking about the comic book now, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Here we go. I do have an announcement. Uh, this is in the comics, this, the whole opening when he's working at the church, he's wearing his white suit, and then he gets the black suit later on. And when DC Direct made Preacher Toys back in the 90s, which I have the complete run of, <laughs> um, <laughs> they made Jesse, Tulip, uh, Cassidy, and Saint of Killers. And they made a chase variant of Jesse wearing his white suit. And the comic shop in Bozeman, Montana, where I used to live, just happened to have that. I remember picking it up when I was younger, but it was already like three or four years old at that point. And the white suit had been sitting on the peg forever and the white suit was kind of yellowed. <laughs> but it still looks fine. I took it out and um, I have all my preacher toys on display in my little vertigo shrine. And I realized that that Jesse, uh, that toy, um, if you press a button on his back and his eyes turn red, um, oh. like it glows red, just like in the comic, um, that toy, it still works. I just, a few weeks ago, I pressed the button and it still lit up. Nice. <clears throat> but I, I had all of them except Jesse in his regular suit. And, uh, I don't know, a year ago or so, I was looking into it on eBay and found somebody selling it for a fairly cheap price. So I bought it, rounded out my collection. But I kept a little tab in it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hopefully to preserve the battery. <laughs> <laughs> Make it last. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my, uh, yeah, my yellow white suit jesse his eyes still light up but the regular black suit i haven't uh, i haven't tried well i don't think the yellowing gives him a sense of pathos yeah, it's just post uh post church explosion he's exactly a little, he's a little singed <laughs> yes yes a little damaged poor guy oh so yeah really the end of this is like a uh go team go speech yeah. i where Odin Kim Ken was in this first episode. That's weird. I don't. 
feel like, and between that and him saying fuck a minute ago, I think this may be like a DVD version, you know, like a slight change of no. the episode. I don't know. That's, I, I think, I may be completely wrong. Odin Kim Cannon originally was not in the series. In the comics, he comes in much later. He's in like volume five or six or something. And he's only a villain for one storyline. But <clears throat> he originally wasn't in the show. Um, he had been gender swapped to uh, Viola Kim Cannon. And she was played by, I want to say Rita Wilson. I may be wrong. Page now. <laughs> like Rita Wilson, Tom Hanks is wife. I think Rita so. Oh. Uh, no, sorry. Excuse me, Elizabeth Perkins. I was way off. Okay. Kind of. They look similar. They do. Uh, yeah. In the original pilot, she she played Viola Kim Cannon, a female version of the character. The writers ultimately opted to make Kim Cannon male in the comics. He's the the meat fucking guy. <laughs> Though you don't really see that in the show. No, no. Yeah. It's he makes a little meat person, but you know he, he does never. <laughs> the the backstory is way different. Probably for the best they didn't have that in the show, honestly. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the one thing you wanted to see. <laughs> so this is funny too. So this part, the open your heart. Um I've seen like a behind the scenes on them filming this scene. And uh it's pretty funny because right here in a second when <laughs> Wait for when, it. When he when he opens his heart to his mommy. <laughs> Treat me with kindness and consideration. It would make me so happy. Oh, he did it. He opened his heart to his mom. Now, I'm going to open my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so the scene right here, when it sprays on her, uh-huh. that's actually like Seth Rogen with a little uh, like blood squirting thing spraying <laughs> her in the face. Spraying the elderly woman. <laughs> and there you go. The power of the word. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll do that for you, apparently. I am that preacher. And he believes it. You can tell. Yeah, and that's one of the things I didn't like about the show as much either, is that he is like a dyed-in-the-wool believer. And in the comic, he's not. I mean, he's... No. He, uh, he becomes a preacher because he's forced to. And um, he's just there because he, he has to be. Because he, uh, he was trying to save Tulip, basically. I don't know. It's a long story involving his family and all that. Um, in this, he just takes over his dad's congregation after being a criminal, I guess. I don't know. They show a lot of his backstory eventually, which is weird. It's kind of like this, like with Fjorn de Blanc, like eating tea bags. Like, oh, what's the deal with these guys? They're quirky and creepy. Like, it's because they're angels. We know. Like, stop <laughs> fucking building it up. Right. Yeah, we know that they're, these guys are not normal. I saw their names in the credits. I know who they're playing. <laughs> well, and even if you didn't, like, that's just such a strange in, intimidation. Like, he eats a tea, a tea bag. Okay. Well, it's, supposed to sh- it's just supposed to show that these guys are weird. You know, like, they're weird dudes who do weird things while they dress weird and look weird. And <laughs> repent, he's coming. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, again, you know that I, again, like, these are characters from the comic. They are angels. I, that's why they're weird. I get it. Stop showing me that they're weird and just get to the fucking story. Well, <laughs> it's just one of those things, that even if you don't read the comics, you you know that these guys are have something to do with the you know, force yeah. that is taking over people's bodies. Um, hey, Bill Pope yeah. shot that. Huh. Bill Pope. 
Yeah, he's a uh, cinematographer. Ah. Huh, so there you go. That was the first episode of Preacher. Um, what do you guys think? Do you like the show? Should I watch the rest of it? Yes, you should. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It, I, you know, it's. I'd say it's better than Lucifer. I um, hope so. <laughs> and that it, it at least retains the core concepts of what the comic book was about. Okay. All right. I'll give it a go. It doesn't take hard, or it doesn't take much to be as off base as Lucifer is. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. It's a grand mythical story about the, the uh, ruler of hell um, abandoning his post and traveling the universe, getting into all sorts of mystical shenanigans, and turning that into a, a cop drama. <laughs> oh, and did you know that he, he has a daughter this season? Oh, Christ. He has a daughter. He has a little girl. Ah! Anyway, um, and I don't mean to be so blasé about this. I mean, obviously there's parts about it I liked, and I probably should watch the whole series and read the books. Yeah, it's really Again. Cool. It's a slow for me. Okay. It's fine. All right. <laughs> Plenty of shows that are worse, but there's also a hell of a lot more that are better. So then we got we got to figure out what we're going to do next. Then um, can we do the one with Lucy Griffin in it? So I, you know, no, <laughs> you're not going to know what that is until we watch it. Already decided. <laughs> well done, it man. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, let me see. Next time, I don't. I need to get a few. I need to get Eye Zombie and Doom Patrol. Swamp Thing. I have the original Swamp Thing. We could watch that. We could watch Constantine, the human targets, <laughs> the human's target. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, the Swamp Thing animated series. I have that too. That's three Swamp Thing shows. Oh my goodness. Do you want to do some Swamp Thing then? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Anyway, yeah, so that's it. Um, like and subscribe. Follow on social media. Just, just look up Vertigo Voices. You'll fucking find it. Um, Come find us. Yeah. And that's it. Preacher's a slow go. Slow, slow-mo, slow go. It's, it's, it's a Vertimeandering. <laughs> Vertimeandering. It's like the show. It just never gets the fucking... I'm just going to drag out this review. <laughs> just like the show drags out its plots. I get it. I understand where it's coming from. Um, I just, I wish it was more, just tighter. Tighten up that story. There you go. And this is coming from somebody who likes slow, methodic storytelling. <laughs> well, that only works when what you're watching is interesting. Well, and not everything yeah. we watched here was interesting. Or has a point. Yeah, exactly. Like, one of my favorite movies of all time is Drive. Good movie. And that's an incredibly slow I hesitate to say meandering. I don't think it's meandering. It's laser focused. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just, it's, it takes its time getting to where it needs to go. And it's very tense, too. It's a lot of tension in the stillness of it. And that's not here. <laughs> no. no. Too many side journeys. Anyway, uh, we're good. That's, that's it. Fucking follow us and listen and, and come back next week for whatever TV show we watch next. Right. On Vertigo Voices pilot season. Very well. Goodbye.